All right. Uh, let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, I just thank you for this day. Thank you for the message that you have poured on my heart, Lord, and I just pray that I am able to uh, pour it out over your servants, Lord, that, that they can be blessed by this message, Lord, and that they can go closer to you. Lord, thank you so very much for this time, and just watch over us. In Jesus' name, amen. So Joe, Isaac, and I have been preaching through Acts, and um, in reflection on the three of us, I started realizing that Joe is like the professor, right, very deep in the word studies. Uh, Isaac is like the shepherd, right, gently wrapping the hook around the, the sheep and drawing him closer to you. And I feel like I'm kind of the street preacher, right? Like I'm the guy who just comes out here and, like, shoots from the hip. And so, um, so when, when Isaac worked through and kind of aligned who was preaching next, um, and uh, so we've been working on this for a while, and I, and I looked through, and uh, we were at uh, a board meeting, and Vicky goes, whoa, David, you get the Christmas service. And I was like, uh, whoops. Um, like, is, that, is that really where we want to go with this? And so, and then I've been trying to think, like, what Christmas service do you, do you bring? Um, like, like, what is it? And... Uh, through this training I've been going through recently called Character Strong, the statement is, you often need to be reminded more than you're taught. You need to be reminded more than you're taught. So I brought that up to my wife, and, and she said, yes. Like, so focus on the actual story, right? Like, like it's a story, tell it. So I've been trying to think, like, Acts talks about the acts of the apostles. And the apostles are there based off of the works of Jesus. And Jesus is the Christmas story. And that story through the Gospels talks about the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection. And that's what makes us Christians. Not just one point of that. It is all four pieces that have to work together in melody for it to be the right story. This season, we get to talk about the birth of Jesus. So I thought, okay, so birth of Jesus, right? Like, like that's easy. Like, that's where we need to start from. But from whose perspective? Like, what part of the story should I talk about? Should I talk about Zachariah and Elizabeth? And the fact that Zachariah questioned the, the, uh, the, the angel who came and then becomes mute? But doesn't Mary question the angel as well? Do I tell it from Mary or Joseph's perspective, right? One of my favorite songs uh, right now is Mary, Did You Know? Like, could you imagine Mary's world? Who she was? Like, she was going to get to be married into this line of David, right? But, but did she know what was really going to go on? Do I preach from the perspective of the shepherds? And then I thought that... that this whole upside-down kingdom that, uh, if, if any of you guys do any uh, Bible studies, um, the Bible Project is an online uh, digital way of working through the Bible, and it's uh, Tim Mackey and John Collins, and I love them. Uh, I did an Advent, um, 
devotion with them. If you have not looked at the Bible Project, it is, they are a great program. And their, their concept is, is that Jesus brings the upside-down kingdom. Right, that everybody was looking for the new ruler to come in and overthrow the Romans, and everybody was thinking a big, huge government. And what did Jesus do? He healed the sick, and he healed the poor, and the women, and like the kids. Like it was everybody who who matters to Jesus, but didn't matter to the big government. Right? Joe was talking about today that that. Uh, uh, James and John wanted to be on the left and the right hand. Like, like they wanted to be sitting in authority. And it was the beggar that he goes and he heals. So it's this upside down concept that really comes through in the Christmas story. So, uh, those of you who've known me and heard me preach before, uh, I have a degree from the University of Washington in physics. But what you guys may have not also known is that. Uh, when you take a degree in a science, you have to marry that with other science classes. So I had to go and fill all of my other science requirements outside of physics, and I chose astronomy. In fact, I was six classes shy from a second full degree in astronomy because, like, through astronomy, I could have used all of my physics classes to fill that, right? So they kind of married each other. So, um, so I, I have this passion for astronomy, and uh, what's amazing is that there is a huge event about ready to occur. So, take a look in Matthew, and we're going to start in chapter 2. And I'm going to read Matthew 2, 1 through 12. I really like the story of, of the Christmas story in Luke better than Matthew, but I, I, I wanted to use this, this chunk of it. Matthew 2, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 12. The visit of the Magi. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the king of Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is this one that, we have been, that has been born king of the Jews? We saw a star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this and was disturbed, all of the, disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him, when he had called together all the people and the chief priests and the teachers of the law and asked where the Christ was to be born, in Bethlehem and Judea, they replied, for this is what is appointed, the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be a shepherd of my people Israel. When Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from, from them the exact time the star had appeared, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a, a careful search for the child. And as soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they have heard the king, they went uh, on their way, and the, star, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child and his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And they opened their treasures and presented them with gifts of gold, incense, and myrrh. And had been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod. They returned to the country by another route. 
a lot of us have heard the story of the, of the Magi. So, oops, here we go. So today's, today's sermon is called We Three Kings. And I'm going to explain why it shouldn't be. Kind of funny. All right. So we're going to talk about the differences between astronomy and astrology. We're going to talk about gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And we're going to talk about what is God's gift to you. Okay? So let's talk about astrology. When I would tell people that I was going to the University of Washington, I was studying physics and, and astronomy, and they said, oh, like, like, like Pisces and Aries and all that. And I was like, no. So astrology was the zodiac signs and fortune-telling and interpretation. Okay? Astronomy is the study of the celestial objects and how they move. Okay? So astrology and astronomy. So people would say, oh, you, you, like you're studying astronomy. Like, like, can you tell me what that star is? And I would say, no. Because astronomy is the study of a whole lot more than just the placement of the stars. It is the, uh, it is the energy from that star. It is the uh, chemical makeup of those stars. It is how the light fluxes. Like, it is so much more than can you see the Big Dipper and the Little Dipper and Ursa Major and Ursa, like, okay, all of that. So, astrology and astronomy. So, you have the wise men. They would have been like professors. They get the term, we get the term magic from the magi. So these are trained, but not trained in astronomy, but in astrology, being able to interpret and what they thought were like gods from the skies. In fact, it says that they were from the east. It would have been uh, generally Turkey was where they were presumed to come from, based off of the calendar or the uh, map coming through. Um, and uh, do do me a favor and look over in Isaiah chapter sixty real quick. Isaiah chapter sixty. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons from afar and your daughters are carrying, carried on the arm. Then you will look to be radiant. Your heart will be throb and swell with joy. The wealth of the seas will be brought to you. To the riches of the nations will come. Herds of camels will come over your land. Young camels from Midia and Ephah. And all from Sheba will come bearing gold and incense and proclaiming the, Lord, proclaiming the praises of the Lord. 
So who was supposed to be bringing the items? The kings, right? So that's, that's one of the references on why the, the Magi were then referred to as the kings. Remember, we three kings. I even asked Norma and Jim so that we could sing that today at the end of the services. So like, hopefully you're going to hear a whole bunch of things through this message and go, uh, like, can we really call them the we three kings? All right, so some of you guys know that today is a very significant day. Besides it being the Lord's Day, it's also the last day of fall. So tomorrow's the what? First day of winter. It's got a really fancy name. Anybody know the fancy name? The winter solstice. And what does everybody say about the winter solstice? It's the shortest day of the year, which is the silliest statement you can make. A day is 24 hours. It's not the shortest day of the year. It's the shortest amount of light in one day. Right? So remember, we got we got to work on the language that the winter solstice is not the shortest day of the year. So now, I, I tease my wife about this all the time. Um, right? It happens in the evening, right? The sun sets. No, it doesn't. The sun doesn't move. The earth spins around. We shouldn't call them sunsets. We should call them earth rotations. Right? But you've got to understand the perspective of what's going on. Okay? So, the winter solstice actually happens tomorrow. And there is an amazing event that's going to occur. Actually, oops, gosh, I'm missing all my bullet points. All right, there you go. Magi's, train stars, came from the east. Read that scripture. We think of the Magi based off of the number of gifts, right? So how many, how many Magi were there? Right? Everybody says three, like we three kings. It doesn't say how many Magi there were. It says that there were three gifts. And in fact, traditionally in Eastern Christianity, there would have been about 12 people that had shown up. Right? But like you see the nativity scene down here. How many kings are there? The three. Right? Because that's the way we've always heard this story. But even in the Bible, the Bible doesn't say that there are three kings. In fact, last night we were playing a game with our kids and they even remembered. Like there's not three, there was just three gifts. All right. So who are some of the first people who come and worship Jesus? A band of pagan sorcerer star worshipers. That's what they were, right? They were believing in the stars. They were not believing in the Lord. But the stars movements and all that, a line that says, hey, we need to go and figure this out. Okay, now some people will argue, if you go and look at the text, that the shepherds were the first people to come and worship Jesus. And that, the, that like, Bethany always says that we should take the, the magi and that we should have put them, like, way over there in the nativity scene. Because if you read the story in Matthew, it says that they come and see the child, not the baby. So it must be years afterwards, but we don't know whether the child or the baby. Like, right? So they're considered part of the nativity scene, and, and we're going to go with it. All right. So, all right. So winter solstice is December twenty first, twenty twenty. Now there is a great event going on, and I don't read the news, and I don't watch. I don't watch the news and all that. But like, I started thinking about, gosh, what should I be preaching on? And I, it came across that there's this great conjunction that's going to be occurring 
tomorrow on the winter solstice. So what is a great conjunction? It is when two planets become aligned and the, the starlight or the, 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 the light uh, reflecting off of these planets are going to combine and it's going to look like a superstar. Or some might be referring it to the star of Bethlehem or the Christmas star. Okay? Now, in Greek, the, they use the word planetes, which means wanderer, and that's where we get the term planets from. Because the planets do move, but stars don't. Stars don't really move. Okay? So the distance between the earth and the sun becomes a standard unit of measurement. Right? Like, what was the standard unit of measurement in the Bible? It was the cubit. Right? And what was the length of the cubit? It was from the elbow to the fingers. Right? Now, if we use Daniel's cubit versus my cubit, like, like whose cubit are we using? Right? Daniel's cubit, like, is going to be a little bit smaller than mine. So, so that we come up with these ways of measurements. And the way of measurement for astronomy is called an astronomical unit. Astronomical unit is the distance between Earth and Sun. Eh, it's no big deal. It's only 93 million miles. Okay? So the distance between the Earth and Sun is what we call 1 AU. The distance between the Sun and Jupiter is 5 AUs. The distance between the Sun and Saturn is 9.5 AUs. So those of you who are really good at math, you know the gap between Jupiter and Saturn is 4.5 AUs. Okay? So 4.5 times 93 million miles is a really big distance. Just, just say far. Okay? What's that going to look like? Okay? So this Christmas star effect that's going to occur is that Jupiter and Saturn are going to look as though they are going to collide. And are they really? No. They're, they're really, really far away from each other. But in terms of our vision of it, from where we're at on Earth, Jupiter and Saturn will look aligned. And it will look like what they call a great conjunction. They will all line up. Pretty cool, huh? So this is going to occur tomorrow evening, just after sunset, or I should say Earth rotation, right? And... Uh, you should look in the south, southeast, and you would be able to potentially see this, right? South, southwest, thank you. Joe's been tracking this on a Stargazer app, and you can see, like, like, in, right? like, like they've been just getting closer and closer together each night. Why? Because stars don't move, planets do. Now, stars look as though they move, Right? If you go out at 6 o'clock at night, you see the stars, and then you go out at 6 o'clock in the morning, and the stars are in different positions. Well, the stars moved. No, they didn't. The earth rotated. <laughs> right? Again, so it's all from your perspective. Now, do stars really move? The answer is yes. Is it going to be recognizable by the human eye? No. Okay? Right? Because gravitational movement, all that. Oh my gosh, Isaac, I just noticed that you're wearing the reflex shirt. Like that, like, that's a God thing. Okay, so, so 
So if you look in, there you go, look in the west to southwest, approximately 45 minutes after the earth sets, or earth rotates, or sunset, right, that you should see that these two, two planets, or wanderers, will align together, and in fact be like it's one-tenth of one arc angle, right, really, really close. All right, so... So there you go. So you kind of got this idea that they keep, the, the, they keep referring to this as the Christmas star, right? In the news, if you've, if, like you've seen it, like the, the Christmas star. So let's talk about the fact that there was a star that were leading these three magi. Um, no, we know that there's this, this band of magi, right? These 12 guys, uh, these pagan star worshipers. They're going to come and, and pay homage and glory to Jesus. So let's see what they did. Joe helped read it earlier today, right, all the way back in the Old Testament. And the reasoning why I had him read those three chunks is that what three words did you hear in those chunks? You, hold, you heard gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Why? Why would have those been the gifts that the, the Magi brought? Okay? So this is, this is what drove me to study this last week. So, so let's talk about these. Gold. So Exodus 1.6 talks about the fact that the whole inside of the temple, the whole Holy of Holies was all coated in gold. The sacrificial table was gold. The horns were then covered in gold. The... Uh, rings were made of gold. The bars that they put through the rings were all made of gold. Everything was gold. Gold was, is rare here. It's not really rare, right? Most of you guys will look down on a finger and find some gold. But it is still an expensive, right, ore. And back then it would have been even more. It was given to royalty. Right? So the whole inner temple, the Holy of Holies, was covered in gold. Right? The walls were, were covered in gold, the, like everything, right? You guys get it, like big gold. Oops, I don't want to go that too far. Okay? So, I see this as these worshipers, this band of stargazers, signifying that Jesus is our coming king. Gold was given to royalty. Do they really understand who Jesus is? No. But I think they are foretelling what he's going to be. Jesus is our coming king. What was the second gift that they brought? Frankincense. Do you guys know that? that's what frankincense looked like? It almost looks like... Um, Cheese curds, right? But it's like, it's like resin. Exodus, and it was in 34 through 38. I'm sorry, Exodus 30, 34 through 38. It is a very expensive perfume, right? You, uh, Joe read it that, they, that you give it to the perfumer, and they, they grind this up, and, and it is a very, very expensive perfume. And the burning of incense... 
or frankincense was associated with ceremonial worship of a deity, of a god. The first gift was gold. It was to recognize that Jesus is our coming king. The second gift was frankincense. It was to recognize that he is God. He is a deity. In fact, the frankincense had to be pure and holy frankincense to be used. Why? Because Jesus is a pure and holy God. Like, these pagan worshipers, like, it's crazy, but they had it right. And then they brought myrrh. So myrrh, we talked about that in, in 22 through 29. It was used as an anointing oil, used as a mixture of spices in Jesus' burial, right? So if you go to John, let's go to John real quick. John 19. Because this fits really perfectly. John 19, and we're going to jump down to 38. The burial of Jesus. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jews. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices and the strips of linen, and it was according to the Jewish burial customs. Myrrh was used as a burial anointment oil. So why did the, the wise men bring that? Right, that, that oil was also used as a ceremonial preparation for priests, and they sprinkled that oil all over the temple. Isn't Jesus our perfect temple? And he's that perfect sacrifice that's going to be used on that, that, that sacrificial table of gold. So the three gifts that the wise men brought, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, reading it, moving to the next chapter, wouldn't think anything about those three gifts. The Holy Spirit makes sure those three gifts are written in the Bible for a reason. It is to remind us that Jesus is the perfect coming king. God in one and three. And going to be the perfect sacrifice for us. Because without that sacrifice, we would never be where we are at. Gold, frankincense, myrrh. So, all right. Now let's go actually back to the story. We can either say it's like, you know, a couple of days after Christmas, or we can say Jesus is two running around. But you have Joseph and Mary, and you have this little perfect baby, and this band of star worshipers shows up at your door, and they give you these three gifts. What do you think these new parents would need with gold, frankincense, 
and myrrh. Right? right? There's symbols that allude to who Jesus is, will be, and will be for the rest of our eternity. But in the actual writing of the stories, why would they have gotten, what would they have done with them? Put them on the wall and said, cool, I got some gold and some frankincense and myrrh. Wait, what happens? All right, go back to Matthew. Matthew 2, visit the Magi, right? What happens just after verse 12? We hit verse 13, and they are escaping to Egypt. So didn't these wise men just give Joseph and Mary a bucket load of cash to be able to experience their multi-year exile from where they're at? Joseph was a tradesman, right? He wasn't rich. He's not a ruler or a king. And he, is, he and his family are now on the flea because people are coming to hunt them down. And these pagan star worshipers had given them the money to be able to go and manage that, that exile. When you look deeper, it all links together. And it just, I don't know about you, it just made me giggle and tickle because it was just so cool, like, Oh, wait. Oh. So, we talked about the fact that. All right, there we go. Escape to Egypt. Right? And then after they go to Egypt, then they are supposed to return to Nazareth. Right? Multi year exile. So, we've been talking about the gifts, the gifts of the Magi. What is God's gift to you this season? See, God talks a lot about gifts. If you do a, uh, a Bible search, I would suggest doing it online because the information will be overwhelming, uh, about the gifts from God. Not the gifts of God, but the gifts from God. Some of the most quoted verses are from God's gifts. In fact, when I Googled this, like the first link that I found, I think had like 30 verses. I'm going to give you five because they were five that I really liked. Don't flip around and chase these. Just write them down if you want. You can go back and read them later. The first one's going to be James 1, 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. Romans. Anyone know which one I'm going to quote? 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The free gift of God. God is your gift. Romans 12.6. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in prophesying to his faith. Ephesians 2.8 From by grace you have been saved through faith. As this is not your doing, it is a gift of God. 
And how about one? We just talked about this a couple weeks ago. Acts 2, 38. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. God loves to give you good gifts. Right? So those of you who are writing those down, I gave you James 1.17, Romans 6.23, Romans 12.6, Ephesians 2.8, and Acts 2.38. God's greatest gift this season is a deep and personal relationship with him. You see, God spells love slightly differently. It is T-I-M-E. Spend time getting to know God this season. Get to know his son. And get to understand why they left the Holy Spirit here until the work is done. You see, I think that God gave his only son Oh, it showed up there, didn't show up there. Right? Think about this season. Christmas is on the left. Good Friday is on the right. For God so loved his world that he gave his one and only son that whoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. If he doesn't show up on Christmas... God can't sacrifice him on Easter. These star worshipers knew it. They understood it. They understood why the gifts mattered. They understood it. Do we? Do we understand why God does this? Because he loves us unconditionally. He doesn't love the presents that you've got wrapped underneath your tree he doesn't love, he's not worried about any of that. He loves you because he wants to spend time with you. He wants that relationship with you. That's what matters. It doesn't matter how many truly magi were there, what gifts they brought, right? I had fun being silly with it, right? Because it's the, these star worshipers, these astrologers, not trained educators, they're just, right? Professors of star worshiping. But they understood what presence to come and give because they knew that he was the perfect sacrifice to be laid out on that table that was anointed and perfect and ready to connect God with us. That's the reasoning why I chose this story to, to preach on this year. I thought, hey, couldn't avoid the, the opportunity with the great conjunction occurring tomorrow to, to overlook the fact that the true star of Bethlehem shouldn't have been really found in the sky. He was really found in a manger. That's where it's at. I ask you to slow down this season. Right? The, the gift of quarantine is that you don't have anywhere to go right now and that you can actually be in the Word, in with God. 
God wants time with you. All the time. I like that. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for for making it plain to those who it should be confusing to and confusing to those who it should be plain. Lord, you present us with an upside-down kingdom. Lord, that you, you love the servant, you love the humble, Lord, and you seek out those craving to want to know you. Lord, those who brag about knowing you and following all of those rules, those Pharisees, those Sadducees, Lord, that they didn't understand it because they didn't get down to the heart condition of why you produced this perfect sacrifice that you give us, Lord, that you, you bring your son to this earth to be a, a teacher, a preacher, Lord, a, a coming king, Lord, he's always God, Lord, but I just can't believe that you would sacrifice him for me. Lord, thank you so very much for your divine wisdom on how this this process takes place, Lord, because that's not how I would have mapped it out. And thank you for that. Thank you for being so loving that you gave us your son. You gave us as a teacher. Lord, and then you gave him as a perfect sacrifice so that we can be with you always. Lord, I ask that you watch over and keep us. Lord, please shine your light on us. Lord, and please bless us in this season. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.